Welcome to the Rural Revitalization Network podcast, and I am your host, Pastor Rob Beckett. The Rural Revitalization Network is committed to encouraging pastors, churches, and communities throughout rural America to engage, equip, and empower through local resources to build God's church. Episode 4. Today we are talking about, am I really the one to lead this revitalization effort? I imagine that this one question has ran across the mind and the lips of just about every pastor and leader that has ever found themselves in a place of revitalization at one time or another. Am I really the one to lead this revitalization effort? Or better yet, Lord, I don't know that I can do this. The answer to those questions and more is, no, you're not the one, but our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the one. The Holy Spirit provides the needed fire to ignite us, but we do not have a part to play. All right, take that last part out. The Holy Spirit provides the needed fire to ignite us, but we do have a part to play. As pastors and leaders, we are to tend to the fire, stoking and fanning the flame in the church. We are to bring kindling to add to it. Especially, we see that with Paul. After the shipwreck on the island of uh, Malta, Paul and his companions were welcomed by the local uh, Maltese people, who are still very well known for their hospitality. They lit a bonfire to warm up the shipwrecked travelers, and Paul, caring less for his own comfort than the comfort for his companions, did not decide to sit by and, and by the fire, but rather he wanted to serve by collecting kindling with the locals. The only way that church can sustain the fire that God lights in a church is for everyone to bring kindling for the fire everyone doing their part to contribute and to serve. But rather than contribute, uh, many churches that are plateauing and declining is because people bring excuses for not doing the work in the church and in the body. Too many churches are sitting on the edge of a great move of God and are hindered by either their butts or excuses. Here's uh, 10 the most used excuses that is used in society today and it also applies many times to the church. First is I forgot. People will use that excuse many times when you know good and well they didn't forget or no one told me to go ahead and do it. I didn't think it was that important Wait until the boss comes back and ask him. I didn't know that we, you were in a hurry for it. That's the way we've always done it. That's not my department. How was I to know this was different? I'm waiting for the okay. And finally, that's his job, not mine. When God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, he called him to the task of leading the children of Israel out of the Egyptian bondage. In response, 
Moses gave his reasons as to why he didn't think that he was the man for the job. The buts of Moses and God's response to them will serve as the basis for our thought today. For in a similar way, as God's people today, we have received from God a special calling. Not to go to a country to deliver those in physical bondage, but to a world to deliver them from the bondage of sin. Too often, though, we behave like Moses, making the very same excuses. And so for let's take a minute and consider the first of five buts given by Moses. The first one is, uh, in Exodus 3, verse 11, he says, Who am I? Though Moses was once a member of the ruling house of Egypt, he was now but a lowly shepherd. Forty years had passed since he had been in, the, in Egypt, and now he was an 80-year-old man, already past the average lifespan for his generation. This prompted Moses to wonder whether he was the right man for the job. But God's response was quick and should have been adequate. I will certainly be with you. God promised to be with Moses, and this alone should have been sufficient. As Paul later wrote, If God is for us, who can be against us? For churches today, many times we live shallow, puny lives because we do not or will not recognize that we are called by Almighty God, Creator of the universe, to step out, not on our own or defenseless, but with Him and for Him. What God has asked us to do, He will equip us for. The second thing that uh, Moses had a but for was, What shall I say? In verse 13 of chapter 3, Moses knew that uh, Moses knew that should he go to the children of Israel, there were bound to be questions, such as, Who is this God who sent you to us? And perhaps, Why are we to leave this country? We have come to consider our home for over 400 years, even though they were in bondage. They considered it, they still considered it their home. Moses expresses inadequacy in knowing what to say, but again, God's response was quick. Thus you shall say. God tells Moses what he needs to say in response to these questions. We try to excuse ourselves by saying that our knowledge is inadequate. But God has told us what to say. It is really quite simple. How simple? For I deliver you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again, and on the third day according to the Scriptures, Paul also said, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so, as, it, as with Moses, we should not reason, no reason for saying, what shall I say? As we return to Moses, 
we see that despite God instructing him what to say, he soon raises a third objection. And his third uh, objection is, suppose they will not believe me. This but is found in Exodus 4.1. Now that he knows what to say, he balks at the idea that the people may not listen. Is he afraid of failing? Has he already forgotten that God will be with him? God responds by equipping him with several convicting proofs. First of all, the rod, which turns into a serpent. He Then his own very hand, which turns into leprosy, and the water, which will turn to blood when dropped on dry ground. What will it take to convince you that God means business? What does he have to do to you or for you to know what he has asked you to do is real? Are you afraid of rejection or looking foolish to others? And then the other but that Moses came up with is I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. We find this but in Exodus 4.10. Moses claims that he is not an eloquent speaker, but God is not disturbed by this objection. He already knows the inabilities of those he calls. But God is able to make up for anyone's shortcomings, again, promising to be with Moses. He had even arranged for Aaron to be with Moses, uh, be Moses' mouthpiece. Some try to use these butts today, but God used Uncle uh, Bud Robertson back in the 1800s, and he stuttered, he was uneducated, he suffer, suffered epileptic seizures. But he was a powerhouse for evangelism and preached at least 500 times a year. We have considered four buts that Moses gave. But as mentioned earlier, they were really smoke screens. The true reason for all these buts is revealed in Exodus 4.13. And this comes down to the, the very reason that a, a lot of people don't go and lead in revitalization. Please send whoever else you may send. Moses simply did not want to go. The previous butts were simply a smokescreen attempt to hide this fact. Now that the smokescreen is removed, God's impatience with Moses becomes evident. His anger was kindled, kindled against Moses. Read verses 15 and 17 with an emphasis on the word shall to uh, uh, appreciate the anger of the Lord. The Lord kept telling him, you shall do this. You shall do that. And, and God was uh, telling him that you are the one to do this. The same is true with us today. Any and every excuse that we could offer is only a smokescreen. We would really rather that God uses someone else. We really don't want to do what God has called us to do, but our friends, the anger of the Lord is kindled against those who do not live up to their calling. If God has called you, he will equip you. If we have been making excuses, we need to repent. Let me encourage you today 
that God is prepared for any obstacle that you may feel that lays ahead. But God has made provision for you and is ready to equip you for the task ahead. It is no surprise that God uses reluctant and uncommon people to accomplish some of his greatest displays of his awesomeness and wonder. I believe it, it, is, it is a fair question to ask God, why you, why now, and why in this place? Let's face it. I don't care how equipped you may feel or how read up you may be on the latest revitalization books or coached and set in the seminars uh, one after another. We are human and have human inadequacies. We must rely on God to supply everything we need. Like Moses, we must be secure in knowing that the fact that God said, I will certainly be with you. The minister's response to a call to ministry, and especially to a call to revitalization, is a response to God's call. Ministry is a response to an invitation outside of ourselves. We must realize God qualifies the call. We are here in leadership of God's people because we have responded to a summons because we were sought, called, sent, and commissioned by one greater than ourselves that our lives might be expended and worked more sufficient than than within ourselves. It is this calling from God that provides us with the direction and the strength to continue in the work, even when we feel inadequate our, and spend our uh, just we're spent to the wit's end. God is the one that directs our paths in every endeavor. But I believe, especially within revitalization, it has developed for us to uh, for us to rely on and depend on the Holy Spirit to direct every step in all aspects of our ministry and life in general. When I became a pastor on the Kentucky District, I started pastoring a Nazarene church in Shepherdsville, just south of Louisville. <clears throat> I became a pastor at a very late stage in life at the age of 51. So unlike many my age, I didn't have the knowledge and experience under my belt like many already had. So what I did was prayed every day that God would direct my steps one at a time. I only asked for the step in front of me because that is the most important one for that moment. I don't worry about three, seven, ten steps ahead because I can't get there until I take this one in front of me right now. I live all aspects of my life and ministry this way. I, I often confess to people that I have no idea how I'm supposed to be a pastor except for God showing me one step at a time here is the sweet blessing of living and ministering in this way. If I take each step he shows me, one step at a time, then I will end up where he wants me and the congregation every single time because I wait on him. We must have complete reliance upon him and not on our own understanding. John Wesley said, regarding uh, accepting the call of God, is that we are 
ready to do anything, to lose anything, to suffer anything. God has placed us where we are for a purpose and a reason right now. Dr. David Nixon, writing about the subject of leadership, which not only applied to pastors in general, but to uh, revitalization pastors in particular, he wrote 10 affirmations of the call. And so if we will quest, if we happen to question, God, am I the one? And I'm the one to lead this revitalization effort. Am I the one to lead this congregation, this church, this then then think about these 10 things that he wrote. If you will affirm in these things, God will help you, direct you, and lead you in everything that you need to do. First of all, I will be attentive to God in prayer, scripture reading, and in spiritual direction. I will be faithful to my calling when I see no visible results of my efforts and I will have no and have no sense that people are getting better because of my work. I will seek God's help to be faithful to God's calling. I will keep my soul on fire and will not base my work on feelings but on God's faithfulness. I will recall the joy of being grasped by something greater than myself, namely my vocation. To those who count me a fool to pursue the heavenly vision, I respond with Nehemiah. I am engaged in a great work and refuse to stop. I have been called by the Spirit of God working in me to a representative ministry within the people of God. I am to lead God's people in worship and prayer and to nurture and teach and encourage your people from the riches of God's grace. I will exemplify Christ's servanthood. I will build up the people of God in their obedience of of Christ's mission in the world, and I will speak justice, peace, and salvation for all people. It is my job to proclaim by word and deed the gospel of Jesus Christ, to lead persons to faith in Jesus Christ, to confirm their lives in accordance with the gospel. And then finally, he writes, I am called to serve rather than to be served, to proclaim the faith of the church and no other, to look after the concerns of Christ above all. Recognizing and acknowledging that God is the one in control of all things, especially the work of revitalization, will help us put the right perspective in place for us. Knowing that God is on the throne and that He is in total control of all things, relieves us from the responsibility of the work before us and places the responsibility in the correct place, which is with God. The Father already knows what he wants of you, the pastor and the leader, and what he wants for your congregation and your community. Trusting and resting on that promise will free us to receive direction, and guidance from the Holy Spirit to do the work that we has uh, laid out for us to do. I want to encourage you today, Pastor, that if you will uh, uh, go with these, 
these points that Dr. Nixon had pointed out. And, and if we realize that God is in control, that the mission is God's, then we can take one step at a time. And we don't have to worry about the destination because he has the destination laid out before us. And if we walk faithfully uh, each step following him, then we will be the ones that God wants in this place to do the work for these people where you're at. May God bless you and keep you.